You are listening to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. This show is a long-form one-on-one conversation with veterans in the arts. This show is produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a creative platform for talented veterans and world-class performers to create compelling live theater and events. My guest this week was Jason Pizzarello, who um, I was glad we finally were able to get on the show. He's had a busy summer, um, including some good, well-deserved vacation time, and uh, and we couldn't get him on until now. I wanted to talk to him for a lot of reasons, not the least of which that his play Brad was the winner of our inaugural full-length playwriting competition. This is what our judges said about Brad. They called it mysterious, emotionally sound, haunting. It's also clearly a very personal piece. The language is lean and spare. The opening is terrific, and the last scene is gripping. Um, it's not an accident. Uh, Jason has spent decades, literally, now in the theater, perfecting his craft and founding his own company, uh, Stage Partners, which is a digital licensing house for new plays. So he is very much a theater guy. The fact that he was a theater guy long before he ever entered the military and then made the decision to enter the military is a whole nother component, which I found fascinating. I won't give any spoilers about that. You guys can hear him talk about that during the episode. But um, all of that was a lot of interesting content that I really wanted to mine uh, by sitting down and talking. Like, as happens often when I talk to somebody a lot before they end up doing the show. I'm always bummed because I really like talking to people for the first time on the show. <laughs> then I can kind of ask all the dumb questions and really get into stuff. And when I kind of already know some of the story, I find myself editing myself. Does that make sense? And, uh, you know, um, I don't know. There's a degree of familiarity, which sometimes I think this is just a me thing, but I feel like it leads to a less in-depth interview. Uh, but I had a blast talking with Jason. I always enjoy talking with him. He's a great dude, incredibly humble, incredibly talented. And, um, and just the way his life has played out, it was, uh, I had a lot of questions that, uh, I wanted to get answers to. So I'm glad we could sit down and start to hash that out. I don't think there's anything else we need to talk about, uh, for you to fully appreciate this episode. So I'll leave it at that. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the artistic director at Vet Rep, and this is the Savage Wonder of Jason Pizzarello. Well, it's about time, man. I'm glad we got you on the show. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, thanks for having me. No, I'm I'm glad you could be here, and I'm glad. Uh, how was uh, Utah? You guys took the family trip out there, right? Yeah, we did a, an epic 18-day trip out west, uh, Wyoming, Utah, Arizona, California, uh, Colorado, New Mexico. Yeah, it was great. Well, what was it? Two weeks? How long did you take? To do yeah, it, it was uh, it was about 18 days. Okay, all right. Yeah, dude, that's uh, great, man. Yeah, man. it was good. It was good. Badass. Well, fortunately, you have, you have a you have a cool boss who lets you get time off, right? <laughs> yeah, she agreed to come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or me, I guess I'm the boss. I yeah, 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 boss. yeah. Me and my wife. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that. So, um, so one of the fun things 
that I kind of realized when we, when we, I started to read your work and then like, I was like, Oh, this guy's going to move on and on and on. And then you end up winning the competition. And I was like, uh, you know, you never know who the hell the veterans are going to be. And we were sure. all really interested to see what's the background. Is it like somebody that's just been like in a closet writing, scrolling plays, like, <laughs> right. you know, with a half, you know, half empty bottle of gin sitting there or something like that. It's like, who are these people? And, um, you're, I, I was blown away by your pedigree and just how much time and effort you've put into theater itself. And theater really came far before the military did for you, right? This was a first love. Yes. Yeah. That's, um, I joined the military a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I just went to, went to college and studied theater and playwriting and then, uh, continued to do that until later I decided to mix it up a little bit, you know, keep everyone on their toes and join the military. Um, (laughs) But a lot of theater people end up going in the military. You know, it's like a, it's a good, uh, it's a good jumping off point. I'm just joking. Um, I was going to say, I was like, man, I, I was like, holy, I have no, yeah, no ability for sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, dude, seriously, it was, it was really surprising. And um, I guess, I mean, I can't think of a better way to start than to just get to the nub of it. When did the theater bug bite you? When did you start getting addicted? Uh, well, I, I guess I, I, I did, you know, I did theater in middle school and, and, and high school. I, I really got into theater. Um, and yeah, and I just continued from now. At high school, I was like a theater kid in high school. I wasn't Were you? Okay. a sports guy or anything. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a big thing, though. Like, yeah, it's like it who you are in high school does matter. I mean, that's that's kind of like, you know, that that's your first kind of stab at identity. So, I mean, that's a that's kind of a big commitment. I mean, did you think it was going to be a career at that point in high school? Um, well, I was always, I was always into the arts and I always felt like I, I wanted to end up in the arts and I used to paint a lot and, and draw and, and sculpt. And, and then I kind of moved into the theater uh, after that and kind of stopped doing the other stuff, but, um, and then started writing and I just got hooked on it from then and you know, wanted to do it. Why, why did the theater appeal to you so much? What was it about it that made it interesting? Well, you know, I started off as as an actor and uh, and had fun, and it was just you know performing with your friends, you know. So you're just mm-hmm. you're hanging out, and so yeah. it's blend, you know, blending the social and um, <clears throat> and and artistic activities, you know. But uh, so it became our, our social life, you know. But uh, but then just just the collaboration, the idea that I could then write something and. Yeah, that kind of always blew me away. Like, oh, I could write something and other people will say it. Like that, that was just a cool yeah. concept to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, just the collaboration um, of theater was uh, unlike any of the other arts that I was, you know, I was doing. You know, so I think that was what really, really hooked me into it. Are you an introvert? I mean, did you like like when you're doing painting and other kinds of art, and you can just kind of isolate? Was that was it hard for you to leave that or were you like, no, I like to be more social. I like to have this interaction going on. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I like, I like both. Like you're describing like a closet with gin and I'm like, Oh, that's sounds pretty good. So maybe I'll, I'll figure that out. Somehow. But, but, but I, I do, I do like both. I, I, you know, I, I like writing, um, you know, in, in a solitary way and, and having that, that time to, to mm-hmm. create. Um, <clears throat> but, but then moving into, you know, the, the other people bring in their ideas and, and artistry into it, you know, and then it changes your art. So I really like that, 
that concept. So, so, so really both, you know, I can, I can, I go back and forth depending on, you know, yeah. the circumstances, I guess. No. And I think that's probably normal. I think, I think, especially in the theater and especially for a playwright, right? Mm-hmm. Because the concepts come from you, the characters, you have to be quiet and hear them, but then mm-hmm. you want that instant gratification of the community right there to give right. feedback. Right. And that, right. Take. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think, um, when did theater become professional for you? Did you start as an actor professionally or did you start as a writer professionally or what was it? No, I, I stopped acting in, in college. Um, and then I just focused solely on, on playwriting. And then uh, after I graduated, I, I started kind of putting up our my own stuff in New York and um, working with some other smaller companies. And then uh, a play I did called Saving the Greeks got uh, published by this company called Play Scripts, uh, which was a, a newer play publisher at the time. They're, they're much bigger now. But um, and I was like, wow, that's this is I love what you guys do here. And they were just publishing plays that were being done mostly by schools or smaller theaters. And, um, you know, it was only just only a few people working there. And so uh, I was like, this is, this is, I love what you guys do. Can I be a part of it? And so hmm. they had job opening and I started working for them and um, I worked for them for about nine years uh, before eventually leaving and starting my own company. So I'm still in that, that business. Uh, right. So, right. Yeah. I guess um, the question that I immediately think of when, because I know you got your, your bachelor's in with a specific focus in playwriting, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, was there any practical consideration when you were going through college (laughs) of like, Hey, so I'm going into a field that like three people make money in and uh, you're like, well, was there any practical consideration or when, how did the rubber meet the road for you? Like when you got out of college, you're like, bitching, now I want to go do my plays, but how do I make money and how do I live? Like, right. Yeah. I guess I, I, I guess I was kind of aware of that, but um, (laughs) I mean, I always had other sort of side jobs and, you know, before I started working at this play publisher, I I was, I was, you know, bartending and and Mm -hmm. doing other things. And, and so, um, yeah, I think my plan was just to make ends meet and, and, but I did like the stability of having a job in, in the theater, right, right. you know, and that, so that, um, you know, at least I, although it wasn't specifically writing um, all day, it was like, okay, well, you know what I went and there's something my wife and I actually talk about a lot. It's like, you know, what, we maybe aren't doing exactly what we thought, but we went into we went to school to study theater and we're working in the theater business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that is yeah. to me, uh, it feels like a success story. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think if you're just open-minded to what maybe you're doing in the theater, it's not, it's a little more practical, I think. Did you ever have a moment of thinking, maybe I don't do theater creatively? Maybe there may, uh, were you ever tempted to go, Hey, should we move to LA? Should I be doing TV? Should I try to take my writing in another direction or were you ride or die for theater? Uh, no, I, I, I've thought about it. I've tried my hand at, at other types of writing. Um, but I, I guess I continually come back to it. You know, um, I started, you know, after I started working for this, this publisher who was focused on a uh, place for the school, I, I really got hooked on that. And so since then I've written a lot of plays for, uh, for younger performers. Um, 
not really theater for young audiences, but for maybe middle school or high school kids to perform. Um, and so that started bringing in a little, little royalty checks here and there. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, actually, I could carve out a little business doing that, you know, and, um, and it's very rewarding. And it, and it gives you an instant gratification in a way of writing for other types of um, theater doesn't in that you could you could publish something pretty quickly and then get it out there. And then a few months later, or even quicker than that, a school might do it, you know, and so as a there's the long tail of, of, you know, professional theater, you know, you might go through years of development, it just moves a lot quicker. And so it's totally. very satisfying for me in, in that way, you know. What was the first play of yours that you got to see that was not produced by you that, that somebody else took and did? Uh, well, I was I was pretty involved with this production that happened after uh, school, uh, after college that called Saving the Greeks that an, another theater company did downtown. I mean, I, I knew them and I had worked with them, but, you know, they were producing it and directing it. And I was my my only role was as a playwright. So that was uh, that was probably the first my first experience with that. How did it feel? How did it feel to actually see it up on stage and go, hey, I had no hand in this except the writing and <laughs> somebody else was doing all the lifting here? Yeah, it's great. I think you, there's definitely a point where you have to like give over to people's, you know, creativity and direction that they're bringing to it and realize it's, it is going to become something else. And so it is a good uh, sort of lesson to like let go a little bit, you know, um, and that that can be can be hard depending on how I guess controlling you are. Um, but not that they were like changing the words or anything, but just, you know, just letting them, letting them have their take on it, you know, and, uh, and maybe that there'll be other takes on it in the future, but, um, yeah, so it can be, it's still kind of a struggle to do that, to be honest, you know? Sure. I, I was going to say, I, it can't not be right. I mean, you can't invest that much time and then kind of wash your hands of it when you see it actually getting mounted. Right. Right. But I think if you embrace the idea of, of collaboration, like we were talking about in that way, then that's just part of the process. And if you want to have total control, then maybe there's a different art form, you know, you should, yeah. you should do, you know, I mean, you have control of the words in playwriting in a way you don't maybe in film or TV, right. which is good. It's just good. You know? Right. Yeah. What do you like as a playwright? Um, talk about the rehearsal process and the production process. What do you like your involvement to be? What is normally, what makes you comfortable? What puts you on edge? What are your turn-ons, turn-offs, I guess, you know, when it comes to that? Well, I know that um, I I usually give over to the director, you know, I, I, I in, a, in, a, in a sense that let them do their job with mm-hmm. the designers and the actors and have input, but I make my conversation you know, contribution, uh, the collaboration with the director solely, you know, where I don't want to influence the actors too much and like, Oh, you know, that they have to recreate this vision of Mm -hmm. how I wanted this character to be, because oftentimes that, you know, the actors are going to bring something to that character that you, you, you didn't even think about. And that's part of their, they're going to dig deeper, usually unlike the individual character that they're playing than you ever really could, you know? So, um, so I'm, I'm careful not to influence them in any way because they're on their journey too. You know, if you, if you attack them after their first like read through, you know, right, like they're not right. there yet, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have to like respect their own uh, journey. And, and I let the director be the one to communicate. I feel very strongly about that. Like, let, let, I never give actors direction. 
you know, that, that is like stepping on so many toes to me. Yeah. So, you know, just having a close relationship with the director and talk to them maybe after rehearsals, you know, between rehearsals, um, but letting the rehearsals be, be theirs. And if I can be of service, but sometimes, you know, actors ask you questions and I, I don't know. And I like leaving a little bit, um, you know, for discovery as well, you know. It, how much of that approach, because I think that's a really healthy approach, but I wonder how much of that changed, if any, maybe you're just naturally that way, but did any of that change because of the military? Because that seemed to me, that seems to me to be a very hmm. knowing your lane, staying in your lane, understanding that everyone's got a different role mm-hmm. and allowing people to do what they need to do without micromanaging. I don't know. To me, that mm-hmm. seems like that would be influenced in some way or at least reinforced maybe by the military do you am i talking about no, my ass or does that no make sense? i think that's like it, it it is i think that would be connected to maybe my leadership style um so which obviously plays a part in the military is like i'm okay with people like making mistakes and i i i, I like to you know like you said give give people their left and right limits and and let them let them have their take on it you know and let them bring their own sort of skills to the table and and sometimes you know if it's if it's a safe environment like let them fail you know and not in a way where obviously it's going to you know someone's going to get hurt or anything like right. that you know right. <laughs> like you right. don't want failure on the range but like maybe maybe there is a way to um you know to let people learn from from screwing up you know sure. and i think that uh, so just, you know, saying you're saying your piece in the beginning and letting people do it. And that's how people are going to grow. You know, I, I mean, getting maybe away from, from theater stuff a little bit, but I, I don't believe that very strongly, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, but I think it's a, it's a point worth making that you bring up because I, I feel like, um, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without sounding like a completely pompous person. But one of the, one of the pieces of feedback we've gotten at vet rep is, um, wow, your shit's really together. Um, you guys actually follow through. There's actually a sense of like X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. and being that we prioritized finding veterans over finding theater people necessarily. I think there's something to that. And I'm not trying to badmouth the theater community and say, everybody's spaced out or, or flaky or whatever, uh, you know, people are all different, but I do think there is something. Um, and when I'm looking at your career, were you always, practically minded in a way in other words have you seen your personality or your skill set or your leadership style develop from your military career or have you always been this way where you could set up your own shop your own publishing company you could be writing plays you could have a sense of your left and right limits as a playwright when you're in the rehearsal room like you just have boundaries set up you have a focus set up and and you're everything's within your span of control and you're not there's no sense of mission creep or some of the other things that you can see happen in any kind of artistic pursuit, especially in the theater. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, no, it does. I think I've always been a practical person, but I think the military definitely played a role in developing, you know, a sense of, of planning, you know, short-term, long-term planning and, um, and sort of the, I don't know, the messiness that can come along the way and still saying focused on the end and goal. Um, and then, yeah, just, just letting people, uh, try to be their, their, their best selves and, and as part of that, you know, and play their role. And I, I really don't 
like to be on the receiving end of micromanaging. So I, yeah. I, I yeah. definitely don't, yeah. I, I work hard not to uh, do that, even though like I do like to kind of have control of things. Like I, I try not to let uh, that, that creep in. Um, but yeah, I think, the, I think the, um, the military definitely sh- has sharpened a lot of those, uh, those skills for sure. Let's talk about how you got into the military then. So what was that, what was that gear shift like? Why did you end up joining when you did? Uh, it was a very long conversation with my wife because uh, <laughs> we, we were at, we had already been married at that point. And I uh, see, so I joined the military when I was 30. So um, what, year, what year was this? Uh, 2010. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it, I, I didn't know how uh, it was going to look exactly. And I didn't know what it was going to, you know, be possible to, if kind of, you know, my big question was, can I join the military and, and serve and still keep all these other balls in the air? Cause I was working for a playbusher. I was writing, I was, you know, doing all these other things. Obviously I'm like married and, and, you know, have a whole life, you know, built right. already. And so right. how can I maybe join the military before it's too late and also keep all this stuff in the air. And also like, how can I use, or I already have my degree. Like how can I use that and use my other skills that I have just from working in the world, like how can I use that um, for for a career in the military, you know, or without, so it would, didn't seem like, oh, I'm starting all over, I'm starting a new right. life, you know? Right, um, well, so, well, let's start with yeah. why. Why did yeah. you, why was this even a conversation in the first place? Why were you even drawn to join, especially then, especially at that time in your life? Uh, well, I, it was something I always kind of thought about and it seemed very, uh, strange to be pursuing both those things at the same time, theater and military. And it didn't, it wasn't like, I would say a natural fit for me, like the military, like anyone I told I was joining the military, they were thought I was joking, you know? So, but I, I guess I always thought about it. And then I just, I, I guess the way to put it is like the guilt started to build. And I realized that if I, you know, I was pretty, I, I felt like I was capable of doing it. If I wanted to, I wasn't, you know, in the, in, in the best shape, but I was like, you know what, if I, if I, I'm physically capable of doing this and mentally capable of doing it, and maybe I have something I could bring to, to this. Um, and I was approaching that window where I wouldn't be able to do it mm-hmm. any longer, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I just felt like I wasn't really, um, you know, doing my part, you know, like, you know, it's like saving prior Ryan, you know, at the end where he's like, earn this, you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. earn this. And I felt like I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't, I ha- hadn't earned it, you know? And so, uh, yeah, I just, I just wanted to see if there was something I could do to, to earn, to earn it. So, so when you say earning it, did you mean what, just being an American in general, living the life that you like, knowing that you could just live your life without having done this and you're like, Right. I guess talk right. about the guilt. Yeah. Yeah. What I guess, I guess, yeah. Live just, you know, when, when you, when you, I guess, reach a point, like I was, I was, I was very grateful for, for what I, I had. And, and, you know, I was still, you know, working and, and, and living in a smaller apartment and, and still, you know, like that's not like I was driving on a Porsche or anything I had. It was, right, you know, right. but I, I was, uh, yeah, but just living in America and realizing like, wow, I'm, I'm perfectly safe. I can put food on the table. Like, you know, I, I have a job, like I have a pretty good life. And um, like, how can I, how can I return that in some way? Um, when I recognize that a lot of people don't, I just felt very grateful for being 
in this country and and how can I uh, do my part, I guess. Let me back up even from there. Where were you on 9-11? I was, I was in New York City. Um, I was, it was actually, I, I was going to Fordham University in Lincoln Center. Um, oh. And I had just transferred in there. Uh, but I had moved to the city the night of September 9th. So it was like my first day commuting in uh, wow. to, to school. I was living on the east side. Huh. And, you know, I so I was... I was uptown, you know, I was in midtown, you know, so, um, but yeah, that was, that was interesting. Uh, first day. Yeah, uh, seriously. And what, um, emotionally, how did you process it? Was it something that made, did you ever consider, were you one of those guys that was like, Hey, maybe I should stop doing what I'm doing and join the military right now. Or how did you process that just for your life and for your art? You know, I, I think about that a lot actually. And, and, you know, talking to other, you know, people that did join up like right after nine 11 and they felt that motivation. Um, and I feel like at the time it was such a, it would have been such a strange shift for me like that. I, um, I don't I don't think I really considered it. It took, you know, because, um, I was in college and I was doing theater and, uh, I was trying to make sort of make my way. And, um, I guess I was, I was still, I processed it in I guess a different way. I don't know. I didn't, my first impulse wasn't necessarily to, to join up because I didn't, I don't know. You know, I think back, I'm like, why didn't, why didn't I, you know, I wasn't that my, my mm-hmm. impulse. And I guess I, I guess that's what I mean when I say like the guilt started to build, you know, so, over yeah. the next period of time. Um, because I felt, you know, I do feel like maybe I, maybe I should have, that's what the country needed. But um, it seemed like there was so much, going on in our response. Like, I don't even know what that would look like and mean, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it is something I think about. I don't have a, I don't have a great answer to that question. Did, well, being that you were in New York when it happened, did you think initially about um, doing something artistically about 9-11? Was there a sense of like, Hey, you know, you're one of the people that was in the city. There's, you know, a, a bigger emotional impact for being right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in the arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're looking for stories to tell. You're a playwright or, mm-hmm. you know, studying to be a playwright. Was there any sense that that could be grist for the mill? That, that could be something that there might be a story there. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I guess it, it did have an influence, but not something so, uh, so directly that mm. I could say, Hey, I wrote a piece about, right. About this. Um, I was also, you know, I don't know if part of felt like I was, you know, in survival mode a little bit. Like I was, I was worried about like paying the rent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? Gotcha. And, yeah. Uh, and I didn't have, you know, I wasn't living at, at school. I was, I was on my own and, um, you know, I was working a couple of jobs and, and trying to pay rent and, and, and get through school and, and do all these things. And, um, I, I don't know, I guess I didn't yeah. really have a, a you know, artistic response to it. Um, so let's go back to when you now are thinking of joining. <laughs> um, you didn't, you, your daughters hadn't been born yet, right? Uh, no, no. They are almost seven and just turned nine. So um, they were born a couple of years later. Okay. So, um, so now when you're having to make the decision about going into the military, 
what what uh what won the argument for you what convinced you that okay yeah this is doable and the juice is worth the squeeze and we'll make this happen right um you know, I, I, there's definitely that, like, you know, you, you, what you think in the beginning, it's going to be like, and then afterwards, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I said, all right, if I can get through this initial training, you know, I come back and I'll continue my life and I'll just do the, the two weekends a month and, or, or, two, or two weeks a year and one week in a month and like commercials. And, um, you know, I've been in 12 years and I've, I've probably like been active for like four of those years, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I, part of me was like, man, why don't I just, you know, go active duty if that's what was going to happen anyway, you know? Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think my, my wife was, was just really supportive. And I think she understood, I mean, it was, there was a lot of conversations about, about how it could all work, but, um, I think, uh, you know, I, I, once I figured out what, okay, what it would, what would it would take, you know, like, and the fact that I could go, um, I went from basic right into OCS. So I was like, okay, this is my, this is my path. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a little bit quicker than say, you know, there's also the OCS state programs that are like 18 mm-hmm. months long. Like I wanted to like get into it as quickly as possible. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, so I like, once I found the path, that was, that was, that was it. And I jumped in. Why the army? Why did you just have to do army? That's another great question. I haven't really even thought about it. It was always the army for me. I don't know. That seemed huh. like I didn't, I don't know if I looked at any of the branches. It just huh. seemed like the, I always just gravitated towards the army, I guess. And how did you find basic training? Uh, let's start there. I mean, great. what was that like? Yeah. Time of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I mean, yeah. definitely, especially with yeah. the culture shock. I mean, going that mm-hmm. you'd, you're 30, you'd had a day in day out life in the arts for a long time. Mm-hmm. So what was it like? Did you find it freeing? Did you find it? You know, hey, I'm accessing parts of myself that I haven't worked out in a while, both physically mm-hmm. and emotionally. And, <laughs> or, or was it, or was it disappointing? What, what was it? Well, I it was, it was really hot. Uh, <laughs> it was like this, um, but in the swamps of Fort Benning, um, it was this time of year. So it, that was, that was a shock. Um, because people were dropping like flies. Um, and I, I dropped one day, one day and, um, they were like, I don't know why we're done this ruck march, but they were having an ambulance following us. Like in my, my opinion, like if you have an ambulance following you, like maybe you shouldn't be doing that thing, <laughs> but that was their, their safety plan, I guess. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I was 31 by the time I went to basic. And so I was the old man, you know? Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of, you know, kids there and like 17 year olds are like, you know, never been away from home before. And I was like, you know what? I, I just had diff- I, for me too. They're like, there were different stakes. Like, I'm like, I have to go to the basic training. Like I was, I was more concerned about OCS, honestly. So like mm-hmm. basic training, I was just thinking about OCS, like, because mm-hmm. I knew the standards were different. I'm like, how am I using this time to get there? And how am I not uh, totally breaking myself? Um, it was like, you know, they, they make fun. I like put ice in my back at the end of the day. Like I was doing yoga, like to like <laughs> survive. And, and, you know, I guess that was a joke to some of them, but, um, <laughs> but I made it. Um, and, uh, so that was interesting experience as far as like it being jarring. I had built up to it by going, uh, I, the RSP drills, you know, like mm-hmm. where you, usually it's only 
you know, you go do a couple of drills as you, before you go to basic training, just to sort of get there um, after you sign your contract. And I am doing that for like 10 months because it, um, I had this, uh, pro, this, this theater program at, at Soho rep that I was doing this writer director program. <laughs> and so I like wanted to finish that before I went to basic training. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I sort of helped help get in the mindset a little bit by going to those, those drills, but it was pretty, um, I don't know. I, I guess that my main goal in basic training was like, I don't want anyone to know who I am. You know, I don't want, I want to go through the whole th- I didn't want to stand out in any way you know, whether it's falling behind or, or being ahead, like, let me just like, see if I could just slip through this all, you know, and like, just be in my zone and just right. do it. And I, for the most part, that's what happened. I just don't really, I don't think the drill starts really knew who I was even at the end. So <laughs> it's good. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that's definitely what, that's something what they tell you. Yeah. No, um, it's, um, I, why logistics? Why'd you end up going to the logistics field? Uh, it's for me, it was between, uh, logistics and, uh, I had like my backup MOS was, wasn't, it was in military intelligence. If I like didn't make it through OCS, I was going to do. Um, and then I know in OCS, like we had to pick your branch, you know, I, I ended up in as a quartermaster, uh, and, uh, military intelligence, they were only like way upstate, like five hours away. So I was like, all right, I want to stay, I'm in the city. I want to stay in the city. Like those are the people I know. Um, and so I ended up in logistics and, and, you know, as far as like our conversation before about being practical and, 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 you know, planning things out and having that control like that felt like, all right, logistics, I can, I can, I can roll with that. That's in my, my wheelhouse. Were, are you excited by logistics? I mean, is it something that like, when you're there, you're like, this, this is interesting to me. It's something that captivates your attention or, um, or is it just like, you have to shift gears completely and go, got it. I'm doing army stuff. This will be an army task and I'm going to have myself a great army day. Like, what, what, how do you feel about the job itself? Yeah, no, I, I, I like logistics. Like, but I, the previous position I was in, I was in command of a, a forward support company. So we were, um, supporting a field artillery unit. So, I mean, we had a you know, field feedings platoon. We had a transportation platoon, distribution maintenance. And, and so juggling all those different things, I, I, I definitely, I mean, it, I needed a break afterwards. It was, I was in command for almost three years and it was a lot like, I wish I was just doing it full time because you, that's what you wanted to yeah. commit to it. And like, you're, you know, you're, you're responsible for uh, over hundred soldiers and you wanted to give them everything you could, you know, but, um, but I also had to, I was only able to do a part time. Um, so it definitely took a toll, but yeah, I did. I do like it. I, I, I like that stuff. And when there's, there's multiple aspects of the, of the planning that you know, you have to balance. What did you, um, what did you think about the work-life balance or the work-work balance between the army and your own company, your own writing, like all this, all those other threads that you'd been concerned about beforehand, how are they leveling out? Yeah. I mean, that was the, the three years that I was in command. I, my, my, like, feedback to my battalion commander after at the end I was leaving, I was like, this should have, I should have been full-time. Like it was really too much to do and do right. You know, while if you have a a lot and a lot, but a lot of people, they, um, when they're commander or like a high demand position in the guard, like a lot of them have full-time military positions already, whether it's like 
AGR or you're on ADOS or, you know, state active duty or whatever. So they can, they can balance that a little better. And they're shifting from one military to the other. Like I, I have this idea that like, Oh, well, I'll, you know, be able to do anything creative while during an extended military time. And I'm like, never, my brain just shuts that creative part of my brain just shuts off. Like I cannot, I just don't think of that stuff when I'm doing military. You know, you talk about being the the gray man in in basic training and and avoiding scrutiny and all that. Do people know what you do in the, in the army? Do they know what your day job is? They know what the other half of your life is. Uh, like the, my immediate group does, you know, as a whole, I don't think many people know. Um, but, but they, but they do. So there are, you know, people are always, well, as soon as they find out, people are like, Oh, so I got a story for you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, 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 I joke that that's like why I'm still in the military just to gather the stories, you know, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but everyone I, wants to see their, their, their story become like a TV show or something. So, well, you know what I used to do? I used to, uh, <laughs> I, the one that, one of the things I always loved about the military was seeing uh, the names on the back of the hats. Because I, I was like, and I always wondered if in real life, everyone had to wear their names on the hat when they walked around, if you would find as many interesting names as I'd see. And I'd used to write down last names. <laughs> yeah. So I'd just be like, oh, I want to remember that last name. Like, that's such a great last name. Like, right. there's so many cool freaking names that you keep seeing. You're like, boy, I never would have named a character that. But yeah, okay, cool. And, right. you know, I, 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 yeah, there's definitely grist for the mill. <laughs> how how much has the military impacted your writing? Obviously, brat won the competition so i know you got at least one military story in you from there but but how how much do you find it the writing getting taken over by the military i i read i wrote a couple uh say like military plays like before brat and um did some readings of them and uh like one took place at in basic training you know so i had to like write that play i guess but um and another one was just like with soldiers in it in a different kind of circumstance, but, um, and then I was like, you know, I, I, I wanted to write something that maybe people would be able to connect to a little bit more. Like that wasn't so, you know, like jar- jarring in a way of like, when you go to basic training like that, you know, people, it's so foreign to so many people. So I'm like, all right, how can I write a play that explores these issues and, and has some, some characters that I, I want to explore, but takes place at, at home. So that's what kind of, I, was there maybe the impulse for Brad? I'm like, all right, let me write one that takes place here. And that maybe that's a better way for people to connect uh, to the story. It, let's talk about Brad for a second. What, um, what was the genesis for, um, for the actual plot itself and for the characters themselves? What did you start with? What was your starting point? Was it a character? Was it the idea? Was it the setting? Uh, well, Elizabeth, New Jersey, I've only been there once, but a lot of my plays take place in Elizabeth. I don't know. It's like my fictional town. That's a real town. Um, <laughs> that's I should, cool. I should go, I should go there. Mom. Um, <laughs> no, it'll destroy the whole illusion. Yeah, You'll exactly. be like, Oh my God, no, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I go back to the illusion of it. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, I mean, I wrote it many, many years ago, I guess like it, it, I probably thought about it for a couple of years before I, I wrote it, you know, because I really wanted it to, it, it took a little while for it to like come into focus, you know, and it was one of these plays. I, don't know, I, I like, sometimes I have these, I call them like fever dream plays where like, it just said they're there, you know, and like, like a dream, you know, you yeah. wake up and you're like, Oh, I just have to re- 
it's there. I just have to remember it all, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I spent time just thinking about it. And then, um, you know, I liked the idea of, of, of ghosts, you know, and, and, or maybe, you know, playing with the expectations a little bit of the audience, maybe doing a shift on them. Maybe they, I like the idea of like reaching a certain point in a story where you find out something and it changes your whole experience of yeah. this, what you've, you've read or, or watched up until that point. Um, so I was playing around with those ideas and, um, and then I thought a mother or son would be maybe a more interesting uh, military combination than we normally see, you know? Um, and so I guess I started with that relationship and just them in the house and what that, that looks like and went from there. Um, talk about the dialogue um, and just dialogue in general when you write. Um, are you somebody that needs to hear the characters in your head and they're really, you're really channeling them onto the page or do you find that they become devices and you're like, Hey, I need this character to execute X, Y, and Z for plot purposes or for some other emotional reason. And I, I, they got to get from point A to point B and I just need to get them there. Like what's your process generally? Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I try to, when I'm like, you know, in, in that time period, we were trying to let it come into focus. And like, I, I usually start with the story. So I kind of knew the story, but with it leaving enough room for, you know, then shifts along the way where if like, okay, I'm, I'm writing it and it needs to take a little bit of a turn. That's okay. It's like, you know, the left and right limits of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the story, you know, um, cause you do want to leave room for exploration when you're writing it. But if I'm taking notes, I take a lot of notes um, and you know, just about what they're doing. And then if I start taking within my notes, if I start hearing the dialogue, then I'm like, okay, it's, it's, it's time to, to write. You know, once I start hearing the dialogue, okay, I gotta, I gotta start writing, and then they just let them go. So, it, it, when you're talking about your notes, do you mean like, are you doing an outline, or is it kind of a very loose outline, or is it just literally just jotting down stray thoughts until they compile enough for you to start writing? Yeah, I'd say I just like compiling. You know, I have like an outline. Usually, the outline is something I, I might write down, but I usually it's something I like a loose structure I might keep in my head you know and then the notes are more like okay the, the character does this or you know at this moment this is the this is going to be this exchange here or there this is what had happened to them or um you know uh, maybe it's something that they're they're doing as some kind of stage action you know that, that would reflect yeah. their character in some way how much was brat influenced by your time in afghanistan or was it at all uh, I, I wasn't in, uh, like a combat situation in, in Afghanistan, you mm -hmm. know, like, like the characters in the play. So I, I don't want to pretend like I, I was either, you know, I was in sure. logistic role, mostly on, you know, in one of the large bases in Kandahar. And so, you know, so I'd say like the, the ideas of that, that are in the play about Afghanistan and about what were, you know, when I wrote the play, we were still in Afghanistan. And so it's a lot about the plays, a lot about like cycles, not, not ending. And, you know, it's this idea of, uh, of, of, of kids there when we started the war or maybe there are no, no adults. And so they were like mm -hmm. in the same way that, 
you know, soldiers who started going over there from our country, like their kids now were going over, you know, so, so it's kind of those two, those two marrying ideas. And, and um, so I guess just being there and, and, and feeling that it was a more like a feeling that I, my experience brought out that I tried to bring to the play, I'd say. I mean, I guess what's interesting is it doesn't seem, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't seem like you're necessarily writing like the military theme plays or maybe all you're writing in general, but it doesn't seem like you're writing them to necessarily unpack your military experiences. They're very much, you're, you're on the hunt for a good story and you're going to write that, but it doesn't seem like you're trying to get stuff off your chest. Am I, am I missing something or, or is that fair? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's very fair. I think, you know, some, obviously some, some veterans that need to, to unpack, you know, and, um, and they bring that to their, their writing. Um, I would say that that is true that I, there's not, I don't have an experience in the military that I'm looking to unpack in that way. Um, I'd say I, 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 was unpacking other things in the play, <laughs> you know, that yeah, yeah. You know, personal things that I, you know, um, and sort of just combining all those, those ideas uh, together. Um, I think I'm all, you know, you, when you're writing a play, I feel like, especially a play like this, where I, this wasn't, oh, an interesting, maybe exploration for me where I, 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 I there's, it's pretty personal, you know, and, and so if I, if I need to write a play, like I'm definitely like unpacking stuff from my life in it um but i would say i don't have some kind of military specific you know uh combat situation that i am unpacking well it's interesting because let me let me maybe clarify what i mean by that because i i definitely don't think it needs to be combat related Mm -hmm. to be worthy of unpacking one of actually what i was thinking of was even just your time in command where you have three years where it's like it's hard for you to get the oxygen creatively because I, I imagine there's just always that infringement of shit. I got, I owe somebody this, 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 I got all these do outs and like your mind, your bandwidth is just getting sucked up with army mm-hmm. tasks. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, there's and, and going, there's no time for reflection. There's no time for introspection. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that going, okay, maybe can I just unpack a little bit of what I did? And maybe it's not autobiographical, but just right. some sense of like, okay, I'm going to write something about unicorns because I need something very out of the military thing. I need to get back to like, I need my creative touchstone to get back to or something. Mm-hmm. I, I'm Again, I'm just spitballing here, but that kind of unpacking where there's kind of a reaction to mm-hmm. just a, a, the nonstop treadmill and, and the, uh, that, that the military can sometimes put you in. Mm-hmm. Is there anything like that that happens for you? Do you find that you do have to kind of whatever we want to call it, unpack, decompress, um, you know, any of those kind of experiences? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I, I did try to bring some of, you know, my, I tried to bring my experience in the military to the play, sure. you know, and, and people sure. I I've known and what maybe they're, they're dealing with. And, and I, I, you know, in, in, in New York city, especially, I feel like you meet a lot of soldiers who are, coming or join the, the military or coming from backgrounds that you can't even begin to understand, yeah. you know, and, and so that has always been fascinating to me and, and, you know, equally heartbreaking, you know, as you try to just 
you know, you're only seeing people once a month, you know, and then they go back to their, their shit, you know, and they have to deal with reality in a way that you're talking about, like, you know, I was talking about being grateful for your situation, like some, you know, really traumatic situations are coming out of. So um, I guess, so just meeting those, those soldiers and, and talking with them and, and doing whatever bit I can to, to help them. Um, yeah, definitely had a, uh, an influence and uh, I'm sure fed some of the impulses of, of that way. So why Elizabeth, New Jersey? Let's dive into that a little bit. Why <laughs> is that so interesting to you? Well, you know, I, I, I've, I've lived, always lived in the, in the, in the tri-state, like I've lived in New York and I've never lived in New Jersey, but I live in New York, live in Connecticut. And I, I don't really usually set things in Connecticut because people have an idea of Connecticut that right. I usually <laughs> disagree with, but, um, you know, but they, they, they usually think of, of Fairfield County, like very well-to-do County and it, and, and it is, um, but there's farms and, and cities in, in, in Connecticut and it's, it can be, you know, there's a lot of different types of areas. Um, and, but people here in Connecticut and they always think one thing. So I don't right. set stuff here usually <laughs> unless it takes place in the park. I wrote a play. It takes place in the park. I'm like, all right, that can be Connecticut. Um, but New Jersey seemed like close enough to New York city, but also like they don't, people don't have ideas about Elizabeth, New Jersey. So I'm like, all right, I like that. It's close to New York city that I can relate to, but it's not, um, People aren't, don't have an idea. If you said something in Queens, people have an idea of Queens or the Bronx too. Right. You know, right. so Elizabeth just seems, I, I should really make sure it's, it's, it's correct. I, I might go there really soon now that we're talking about. This. No, I mean, well, because <laughs> to me, like Elizabeth, like when, when I first read the play and I was like, Elizabeth, like that had such a strong connotation to me. I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, that, that industrial marsh swamplands of jersey oh god yeah that's just and 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 there's a bit of hellishness i think with elizabeth uh, mm-hmm. anybody that lives in elizabeth can feel free to write all your hate mail to me but uh i yeah i i uh i thought it was a strong choice i i actually thought it was a very um it was not a neutral choice for me i was like mm-hmm. oh that's a that means something and i felt like i could see the type of soldier that would be returning there. I know you and I talked about him being, you know, a guardsman um, mm-hmm. and, and his mother maybe having been AGR and all that. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like I could, I know exactly who that is in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Like I, right. I feel like it makes, it makes a ton of sense. Um, talk about that, that affinity. I, I was with a, uh, a reserve unit in Queens for a little while because they, I had to reclass, and that was the one unit that could allow me to reclass um, and do a wheel train slot. Anyway, um, but that was the only time I've ever been with a New York-based unit, um, or for that matter, really a properly East Coast-based unit. Oh, okay. And it was, um, and it it was absolutely unique. Uh, and I think it's because of New York City itself. It's just the variety of people you meet. Yeah. Um, Talk about what that means to you, especially because it seems like that's played a big role. It made you not want to go upstate. You picked your MOS because you wanted to be in the city. You wanted to be around New Yorkers and, and like city folk, um, mm-hmm. you know, so talk about what that means and why that's important. Yeah. Well, I, I so when I joined up, I was, I was living in Queens. I, I lived in Queens for about 12 years. At that point I had, you know, lived in, in the story of Queens for longer than I lived in any town yeah. in Connecticut. So I, I, 
you know, and I, I will always have a, you know, I always, you know, have a special place in my heart for, for Queens. Um, but once I had, once my wife and I had kids, we, it, it was, became too difficult and we, we moved out, um, uh, to have a little more, more space as well. But I, you know, I'm not in the Connecticut national guard. Like I'm remaining in the New York army national guard. I mean, that's right. I know people, but that's where, um, I don't know. It is, a, it is a different type of, of soldier you, you get out of, out of New York. And, um, with, like you said, like the diversity of, of experiences that you don't, I don't think you'll find anywhere else in the country. Um, and my, my unit, uh, when I was in command was, was in Queens. And so, but people are coming from all, all five boroughs. Um, not, I don't actually, I don't think anyone lived in Manhattan, but, um, but anyway, you, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just so, it's so dense, you know, and that's how it can really, you can really feel like you're trying to, you know, conduct this, this drill in, in, you know, to make Queens and there's nowhere to park and you're just in this old armory and it has like, you know, a lot of asbestos and lead and that's just, you know, part of it. And like uh, when I was there, civilians weren't allowed to come into the armory because of the lead. But we still drilled there because I think we have a, yeah, we, we can, we can take it, I guess. I don't know. We have a different, uh, <laughs> they're like, that's okay. But we weren't allowed to have pregnant soldiers come in, you know? So there was just, and, <laughs> is it, anyways, was, it, was this a Totten? Were you at Fort Totten? <laughs> no, I was, it was in Jamaica. Yeah. Oh, Jamaica. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. It was just like, you know, wow. uh, it was, there shouldn't have been an armory like where our armory was. Like there was just oh, no, okay. no space for it. And, wow. um, but everyone just jams in there and actually we go up to, we went up to Fort Drum a lot, um, which, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of, but, um, but anyway, so, but everyone just crams in there and that's how I feel like, like, so that, so, you know, you just have the constraints of the space, you know, and you're trying to do all these military type things you need space for in this space. that's not built for it. And then you just have the, you know, how could you not have an attitude when you go, into New York, into Jamaica, Queens, and there's no parking. And <laughs> you're like, you just come everyone. So everyone has this attitude, but they're all yeah. like, so when you like dense, you know, physically, but also like, you know, uh, emotionally, everything's <laughs> yeah. tight, you know? Um, but it is also like the, these, that just amazed me though. Like despite everywhere that these guys and, and women came from, in New York, like they signed up for some reason, like, you know, there's not a lot of people who signed up like in general, but like, this is not New York city is not like a military centric place, you know, it's like not part of the culture. I feel like so, but somehow they found their way for whatever reason, maybe they need the money. Maybe they need school. Maybe they're escaping situation or maybe they just, they just love country, you know? And so you're just, you're just getting such an array and like all these people are coming with, not just baggage, but they're coming with skills and a, and a sort of, lo- of life experiences that yeah. you can do stuff that no one else in the country can do as far as like what these, these people are capable of. Like, so, um, so like, how are you, how are you helping people, but how are you, how are you in allowing people to, to come and like really contribute in, in the limited set of circumstances you have. So, yeah. um, yeah. And then New York is just, you know, I mean, there's just not, there's a, not a lot of, um, I don't know. They just, there's not a lot of as much, I guess, 
bullshit in a way that like people just say what is going on, you know, and that's just, it can be refreshing, <laughs> you know, especially going from like the, the military to the theater. It's always like, yeah. I have to curb myself when I come back from the right. military, you know, right. My wife usually reminds me to do that, you know, but like, I have to like not say be so direct, I guess. And <laughs> it's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we'll talk about that. How has it been? I mean, we talked about kind of the fact that you're not, you know, a lot of people in the military might not know what you do on the civilian side. What's it like for you in the theater? Do you let people know that you're in the guard? Do people know that you're in the guard? How's the reaction been? I, uh, I sometimes do. I, I usually don't. Um, I guess it, if I like my, you know, if I, if I'm close with people, like they know, um, but if someone knows I'm in the national guard, maybe they might know that, but they don't know what that means. And, you know, there's, it's such a foreign thing that people don't, yeah. they don't understand it at all. And, and there's just a lot of ideas people have about assumptions about people in the, in the military. And so I usually don't tell people unless we're actually having a conversation about it because it immediately changes how I feel like it immediately changes how they think of you. Either they, they think you're either some kind of like war hero, which I'm honestly, honestly not. And, um, uh, or, or they think you, you, you're thinking, you think a certain way, you know, whether that's politically or, or what. And so, you know, I, I, to avoid the judgments, I usually don't, but, um, but when I can actually have a conversation about it with people, uh, it, it's kind of goes back to the part of the reason why I, I joined and continue to stay in is that I think like it's, it's good for, civilians and like specifically people in the arts to like understand people in the military and like why they're doing what they're doing and that you can do both. Like you can, you know, or people that maybe are not your, your typical like infantry person can still join the military right. and contribute. Right. And like, that's like my, my point, I always try to like drive home. And that's why part of why I love being in, you know, the New York artists people, it's not just like, you know, there's, there's, there's your cops environment, but you have, so many different people that join the military and like they, you know, you all can contribute in some way. And so that's why I kind of looked my over, uh, my, my philosophy about like service in general, you know, um, to not yeah. like, yourself in. No, it's, it's a, no, I, I completely agree. It's a, yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange mix. It's strange when, the, um, it, I, I totally pick up what you're saying that, so many people, not just in the theater world, but in general, and and I I will say in New York, it does seem like really don't understand the military, and mm-hmm. not necessarily that they have, you know, um, I'm not necessarily talking about political assumptions or you know things like that, but just even just the fundamentals, just the mechanics of it, um, and that it's just not a viable option. It's not something people think of. I don't think that's necessarily true in other parts of the country, but definitely in New York city, it's, it's funny how provincial New York city can be. It's a big province and it's got a big bullhorn, but it's just <laughs> as provincial as any other area. It's just got its own little, you know, mm-hmm. idiosyncrasies with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. Kind of a weird question, but while you're talking, the thought did come up. Do you feel being seeing that, that sieve mill divide and trying to, bridge that over in some way do you feel that's kind of an ulterior motive or maybe not an ulterior motive maybe a of forefront uh at the forefront of your reasoning for 
writing plays or is that really a happy accident when it happens and it's not intentional? Uh, well, it, it, it used to sort of using the plays to try to, to bridge that gap. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just like, Hey, I have a platform and I can continue to give voice to both sides of the equation and, and create more understanding. Yeah. I think, I think that's definitely, I would say a, a goal of mine. Like I, I, I don't, I think with writing brat, I, I was trying to, you know, that was, that was in my mind for sure of like, how can, and, and part of the reason why I wanted to set it here, like how can, how can we make some of the, the stories of people in the military more accessible, you know, to, yeah. to people um, not so quite so jarring or, or just focused on, you know, some kind of, like Navy SEAL situation, you know, not that their stories don't, you know, shouldn't be told, but I'm, I'm not the one to, to tell them, you know, but like, how right. can you, how can you, you know, like the characters in the play, like they, they are, you know, they have one foot in both, you know, and so how can, I think that's the way to do it really um, until that, that gap isn't so large, you know. Let's talk about your process a little bit. How do you write are you a daily writer? Do you have to put pen to paper every day or is it really based on when you have time bandwidth and interest? Yeah. I mean, I think I go to different, different periods. You know, I, I am not someone who, who writes every day. Like I, I, I'd say I probably work on my plays every day, whether it's just in my head or taking some notes or whatever it is, or doing a little research. But, um, but I, I wish I, was more disciplined in, in, in the sense that I would wake up and I would do a certain number of pages, but, um, I, my, I, I don't know, make excuses, but I, my life isn't just set up for that right now. So I try to write in like, like tomorrow and Monday, like I've carved out as like, right. Um, um, I've talked to my family, like I've, <laughs> I've set it up with work. Like I'm, I'm going to write those two days. And, and so maybe I'll, I'll be more, even more productive in, in that way of, like, cause I need to, um, I need time to get into the headspace of it. You know, even though I'm like in, it's not like I, I'm, I'm doing military stuff day to day, you know, but I am, you know, I'm running a, my, my company and it's maybe a little more business focused, even though it's like a business in the arts. So it's not as much of a shift, but how do I get to a place where I'm not thinking about like my to-do list for my business, you know, and, and allow yeah. my, it usually takes a couple hours for me to like get in and, and you're where you're really hearing it. And then it takes that long to like get out of it. Yep. Yep. You know, um, usually like my wife thinks something's wrong, but I'm just like, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not still there. I'm still yeah, in shifting gears. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I usually need longer chunks of time. Um, but I try to make the most of those. Um, Brad actually um, was a pretty good process in the sense that like I, I was very disciplined in how I wrote it because I was at the time I was working a full-time um, ADOS guard job in, in New York city. And so I was commuting in. Um, and so I had about an hour on the train every day. So I wrote probably five to 10 pages a day, like on the train. Cause that wow. was like a really good place for me like once i was i had already arrived at okay i'm writing this like i was right no i'm I'm writing on the train every day and that's how that play got got written so um so that that works how many plays are you working on at a given time too many 
<laughs> too many, <laughs> too many. Yeah. I'm like, I need to yeah. like, you know, focus in. Uh, I, you know, I have, I have lots of uh, ideas usually. Like I try not to have that shiny object syndrome, but uh, I definitely do. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to write that idea, <laughs> write that yeah. idea down. And, and, and I really am constantly like reordering the priority list. Um, but, um, but usually if I'm, if I'm, you know, so the things are at different stages, like, all right, well, that's like a back burner idea. I'm just going to research it, you know, but this one's more, I'm in like research notes. And then this one, I'm actually writing a dialogue. So you can keep things on a on different wheel. Um, but I, I would, I don't know, as like actively writing stuff that I'm going to probably write, I would say maybe like five to 10. Wow. But like wow. different kinds of plays though, you yeah. know, um, yeah. some might like that. Some I have um, that I write for the, you know, for young people to perform, which would then be published by my company. And so like those ones, maybe they're only 30 minutes, you know, so they're a much sort of shorter lifespan to being written um whereas another one i might think about for a year you know if it's a, a bigger play with the with the plays for middle schoolers and a younger audience or younger performers mm-hmm. um does the process differ at all for you from the other plays you write do you find that they're being even written from a different place emotionally because you're kind of having to focus it for a certain segment. So it's kind of like an, almost an exercise um, or is, or are you like, no, I really have something I want to say here and this is the best vehicle for me to say it. Yeah. I think that they, they usually come from a totally different place. Like sometimes I'll uh, want to explore a certain issue and that I'm, I've been thinking about, but um, I, I usually am a little more business minded when I write something for, cause I'm writing for, Right. You know, like young, young people perform, but I'm writing for a very specific market. Like I want to publish this and I want it to get done this number of times. And like, so I'm, I'm, I, I know how many characters should be in this. I know exactly what the spec should be. And I know the title has to do a certain thing for people to read it and the content has to be a certain way. And so it's much more like, okay, is this a solid idea? I'll, you know, I'll get approval from certain people I trust. I'm like, this is worth writing. And then, it's usually into like execution mode, you know, um, and then it's done. And um, sometimes I'll do a workshop of it or something, but usually it's, it's, it's not driven from an emotional place in the way other plays are. What's the most emotionally satisfying play that you've written so far? You know, Brett was, I would say probably, you know, it probably is. Um, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I thought about it for a, a long time before I wrote it and it, it really, it felt like a play I needed to need to write, you know? And so I would say it was like a cathartic experience for me uh, to, to write it. Um, so, and I, I, I still feel that way about, about the play, you know, it's still how was that, that place for me. So. What was it? What was it that kept bringing you back to it that made you put in the time and that uh, kept your attention? If you've got kind of the carousel of five to 10 plays going, mm-hmm. what made it stand out and, and keep becoming a front burner project for you? Yeah, it's usually like my test for me. If I, if I keep thinking about an idea, if I keep mm-hmm. coming back to it, it's like, okay, all right, this, all right, this keeps getting my attention. If I, you know, I think of a play a couple of times, it usually doesn't make it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
but I kept coming back to it and just, and just, you know, the, the, you know, it was really the relationship between the mother and the son, you know, that, and it has a lot of like, you know, it explores like a lot of ideas about that, uh, that I'd say I tried to, I don't say live by, but I, but I think about a lot, you know, as like, you know, two, two steps forward, like one step back, like that, you know, constant, um, you know, motion where you are moving forward, you know, but how are you like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have that, that step back. So exploring that idea in a theatrical way, um, an emotional way that, um, you know, that's something that's very true to me. So, um, so yeah, I just, I just, I guess it kept, um, it just sort of forced its way into, into being, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, I know it's a Saturday morning and, uh, this is great. I appreciate you taking the time to even, uh, talk through this stuff on a Saturday. Um, I guess in closing, let me ask this though. What's the future going to be like for you for playwriting? What, what is, what's still holstered? What do you have that you're like, that you need to get out? What are the stories? Do you have a story already in mind that you're like, this is the next one, or this has to be the next one, or there's something I want to say. What do you see as the next steps for you? Uh, Well, I do have, I do have some, some plays I've been thinking about and one that is, I, like I described like a fever dream play where like it's mm. coming into focus. So, like yeah, I know yeah, it's, yeah. it needs to happen. Um, the play I'm going to try to write a play tomorrow. Oh, hopefully because um, I went to this retreat um, uh, through arts armed forces with Paul Vogel and she gave us the assignment to do a bake off, which is like a 48 hours. She gives you ingredients and we saw we all, we decided to write Western. So it was a group of like eight veterans. We all, all right, we're going to write a Western a play Western. Um, and, but you have to do it in 48 hours and maybe you only write 10 pages, but maybe you do more than that. And so I don't mind mine, my 48 hours begin tomorrow and wow. I'm going to try to write this. I, I have an idea and I'm just going to try to, to do it tomorrow. So that's next. And then freaking wild, man. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's badass. All right, dude, Jason, right. we will, uh, let's do this again. That was a blast, okay. man. And, um, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me and for everything you guys do. That was the savage wonder of Jason Pizzarello. Uh, What a great dude. You will be hearing from him a lot in the theater scene, I predict. Maybe even in the near future. But um, incredibly talented dude. It'll be really interesting to see what comes down the road for him. Okay. Uh, What's going on at VetRep? A whole lot of stuff. Not a ton, though, that I can talk about. Not because we're trying to be super secret about it. Just uh, it's not nothing super public facing yet. Our new, it's not the new season of the parlor. What do I call it? We're back after a hiatus at the parlor um, in September. We're back with the 2018 Drama Desk winning play Admissions by Joshua Harmon. And then we follow that up with the 39 steps and then uh, something I'm really looking forward to. I look forward to all of our plays, but then we, we close out our 2022 season at the parlor with uh, Dudley Moore and Peter Cook's Good Evening uh, Night of Sketches, which I think is going to be freaking hilarious. I don't know if it's ever been done before by people that weren't Dudley Moore or Peter Cook. Uh, so 
I'm still not 100% sure who we're casting for that, but that's going to be a really fun and funny performance uh, night, and I'm interested to see how those performances play out. Okay, so we have that stuff going on. I don't remember all the other stuff we have going on. Go over to vetrep.org. You can check out everything we have going on. That's V-E-T-R-E-P.org, vetrep.org, and uh, you'll see all of our lines of effort going on over there. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, well, if you're listening to on iTunes, as you guys know, please leave us a five-star review. It means a lot to us. You can say whatever you want to us. The content of your comment means a lot to us. But the metric really matters as well. So if you can attach five stars to whatever you're saying, that would be dynamite. Uh, give us a follow. We're at Veterans Repertory Theater on Facebook. That's R-E-P-E-R-T-O-R-Y. And theater is spelled E-R, not R-E, Veterans Repertory Theater on Facebook. Or on Instagram, Vet Rep Theater, at Vet Rep Theater. Okay. My thanks, as always, to our producer, Michael Neal. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.